Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Cage Them Podcast. I'm your host, Petrus Pacifus, and this week I will be talking about Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. We are back in that fiery flamed saddle to ride once again. And I had the absolute pleasure of being joined by Bob Turnbull of tonight with Bob and Joe. You may remember those guys. They have both been on the podcast and they have been talked about many a time and I am a big fan of their podcast which you can find wherever you get podcasts and especially at the moment you can find them on youtube with their new series the infinite pub crawl in which they try and drink in every pub in brighton town uh they've released two episodes so far and they are fantastic i would very much implore you to listen to those guys and listen to that but before we get into the conversation that i had with bob it's uh, time to step over and have a look what my old friend, the Anagram Hunter, has to say about this film. And does he have some mystic magical powers to tell us something about Ghost Rider and what it will be? So, the Anagram we have this week for Ghost Rider is oh we've got two we've got two little little anagrams <laughs> which are spirit of vengeance equals petros uncage in five i'm not sure what that is that is supposed to imply it's quite it's quite cryptic so me and cage in five so um i guess Petros and Cage in five could could very much be that in five minutes Cage will call me. Well, that would be great. Or or I don't know. I don't. Oh, that's baffled me. That one should should have really read this before. But I like to I like to come in fresh. And the second one, I I, I really like really like the second one. This this incorporates the whole title. So this incorporates Ghost Rider spirit of vengeance and the anagram that he's come up with is petros open brackets of caged in close brackets is never right many of you may believe that and if you do believe that i am never right please get in touch with the podcast on all the channels you can so that's facebook twitter and instagram at caged in pod or you can always email me which is caged in pod at g mail 
anagramhunter.com. And you can find the Anagram Hunter on Twitter, which is Thomas underscore W underscore Hunter for all of your anagram needs. Uh, I'm sure if, uh, I, I don't want to speak for him, but if you throw him uh, some titles for films, he will give you some anagrams. But but don't don't be don't don't all be rushing to do that because you may be swamped and. Yeah, we don't we don't want that for him. Just 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 look look at the books he's released and look at the kind of output he has on his Twitter. He he will release anagrams now and then, and they're always fun. So yeah, now let's let's listen to me and Bob talk about Ghost Rider: Spirits of Vengeance. Hello, just a quick one before we get started with this episode. I feel it's only right to say don't know how to say this and I don't know what to say but there's one thing that certainly needs to be said and that is that black lives matter and they have always mattered and they will always matter so please take your time to do what you can whether that's sign petitions donate or join marches and show solidarity to those people who are oppressed and in small ways I hope that we can make changes I very much think this has gone on for way too long and take this time please to look at your own privilege and educate yourself very much in the ways of the black experience and you can do that in many ways through films podcasts and yeah talks just just educate yourselves please and Um, I will be putting in the description to this episode a document, which is a very handy document, in ways that you can help. just felt it was a right thing to say and we we can do something and it 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 would have been crass and wrong not to have said something about what is going on. But please do what you can and very much enjoy caged in nick cage is back in the saddle as johnny blaze the stunt rider who made a pact with lucifer and has become his errand boy as the ghost rider the flaming scold marvel character however apart from his casting everything in this film has changed we no longer see eva mendez the devil this time is played by kieran hines and the crank directors neville dean and taylor bring their unique hands-on filmmaking to shape this marvel property one thing that hasn't changed is I'm talking about it, and the original Ghost Rider film uh, guest is back with me as well. Frequent caged in collaborator and co conspirator Bob Turnbull. How are you, Bob? I'm good, man. I'm good. How are you? I'm, 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 I'm very well. I'm, I'm, adjust- I'm adjusting to the new way of life that we have now, that we, we live inside of our houses and in, inside of computer screens for other people. But, yeah, yeah, it's part. It's perfect for uh, for nerds like us, eh? Yeah, like <laughs> I, 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 as somebody who's like suffered with depression and like anxiety throughout his life, I've kind of like been waiting for this to to happen almost. Like, <laughs> yeah. not, 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 not in like a downer way, just in the fact that like when when the it's government conscripted to stay inside of your <laughs> home, it's like ah, I've had depressive episodes where I'm like ah. I don't want to leave the house for a month. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Give, give me six weeks. Easy. Come on. 
Um, so let's get. I must say, I must, I must say like, I'm, I'm really glad that you invited me back um, for the for the second film. For a while, I thought maybe you just find a better guest and I'd be out of the picture. So I, I do feel quite privileged. No, no, no. There's a there, there's a few there's a few old favourites. I, I kind of got into a bit of trouble, and I feel like I should publicly apologise almost. Um, uh, I was supposed to have like just because the, there was a trailing massive hiatus on this podcast, and kind of I had cast it out of my mind that like, I was at the point of like no, caged in is never coming back to me. To me, it was dead. Like, but little did I know there were some smoking embers that were going to like reignite. Just like the, just like how the, there's a massive gap between Ghost Rider and Ghost Rider: Spirit of Vengeance, like yeah. I, I I came back flaming skull ready to do it, <laughs> and um, I had agreed all those years back to have um, a fellow podcaster, Betamax Video Club. I'll give him, I'll give him a shout out. It's the least I could do. I had said to him back then that I um, would have him on to talk about Kickass. And then, like, oh yeah, got another guest. Like when I came back, not even like just very complacently, not even thinking about it. And I kind of got like a a, a reply to a tweet saying like, I, I guess I'm not doing Kickass then. I was like, oh, I, I, like oh, that's heartbreaking. I felt terrible. I felt terrible since. Like, oh shit. Like. Oh no, man! And like, the, 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 all the all the fame has gone to your head. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Well, like I don't know. Like uh, I, I've I've got the numbers. I'm I might be getting people of note on this podcast, but the numbers sh- like do not do not correlate. Like it's not it's not like all of a sudden uh, I'm going to be selling out Wembley anytime soon with uh, Caged in Live with with it being locked down and to my my. But yeah, my my star isn't that bright. I think it could happen, man. Before <laughs> you know it, you know that's it. I believe, I believe. So, I mean, I don't, I don't want to leave the interview. You leave the interview. What's going on? What's happening? Well, like, I, I, I don't think I've ever asked you this question before. It's a question I've been asking a lot recently to my guests: is Are you a Nicolas Cage fan? Before we dissect this film, uh, Bob, would you consider yourself? I think without, without, without question. I'm a Nicolas Cage fan. I, I like to think that as soon as I saw him, whenever it was, I don't know when my, what my first Cage experience was, actually. That's, that, maybe you were going to ask that question, but I don't know. Um, but as soon as I saw him, I always loved him. And I'd like to say, um, you know, however it sounds, that I, I liked him before it was cool to like him. I'm just going to say that. Well, no, I think it's like quite cool now to dislike him. Like I see like, mm. I see a lot of people like, shitting on him and just kind of like yeah he's kind of become this meme and people kind of troll him and stuff like that and it's just like what they don't quite understand is he he is a like a craftsman like who knows what he's doing like uh, he's in on it he's in on it yeah yeah and at the end of the day like i've used this analogy a lot and it's uh, i believe i heard it on an interview with uh, stephen graham who said that like at the end of the day, I may do these films with Scorsese. I may do like films with whoever, but at the end of the day, like I see my role as that of like a painter decorator that I need to like. It's a job at the end of the day, and if I need to yeah. provide food for my family, 
It could be yeah. it could be this film or that film. I'm not gonna yeah, I'm not gonna I've heard that from I've heard that from, from fine artists before as well. I've heard heard painters say that. I've just got to put the bread on the table and I always think I'm always a little bit dubious about that. I'm like, yeah, you say that, but there's more to it than uh than, than you'll get you're letting on. But I, I think I think with Cage is that even in his in his worst roles in his worst films, he always brings something to the table. Um, that nobody else could have, and he, in fact, he many oftentimes he saves shit films just by his presence. Well, yeah, yeah, that 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 is definitely true, and he's kind of got like this unique thing that like he can slot in to these kind of like want for a better word straight to DVD movies. Yeah, but then has these moments of brilliance in like he like. He'll take the role of a dice, and there's a very famous funny or die clip that is uh, Nicolas Cage's agent, and it's kind of like throughout the clip, the um, the premises for film get more ludicrous and more ludicrous and more ludicrous. <laughs> well, we hear yeah. Nicolas Cage's voice on the other end of the phone, kind of saying like, well, "I'll take it," and it's kind of like that. That I think that is <laughs> yeah. at the height of like the memedom of what Nicolas Cage has become. Sure, but like I'm very much a firm advocate that he is a great actor, and given and I, again something that has been brought up a lot in a conversation we've had recently is given the right script and the right director, will well, he's a fucking yeah. If someone can harness kind of that raw energy, it like. Well, given the right script, Cage is a fucking Oscar nominee. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the reality. You know, well, Oscar winner. Um, Oscar could have been. Well, did he, did he win the Oscar? He won the Oscar for um, leaving oh, Las fuck. Vegas. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that he actually won it. I thought he was a nominee for some reason. That's brilliant. I feel like I'm celebrating right now. Yeah, yeah. I, wow. But I think two-time nominee, one-time winner. He may have been nominated wait so he got a fucking he got like an oscar before dicaprio got an oscar yeah 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 yeah. but in the game longer um, yes true true yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, like to be fair if i had to i know this is a tough question i don't know why i'm even saying it but if i had to erase leonardo dicaprio's entire film history or cage's film history i'd erase dicaprio's easily wow. without doubt wow that's yeah yeah but that's <laughs> They're almost not as comparable. Cage is unlike any other actor because just the sheer volume of output that he has provided to to watchers and people out there is yeah he's he's burgeoning on a hundred films like plus at the moment. And that's incredible. Like from my conversation recently with uh, Walter Hickey, like that's why he picked mm-hmm. him as someone to to study in kind of a data. Like, yeah, absolutely. Way is that it's somebody who has like this. Just what a pool of data to pull from a hundred films. It's and mm. and such a like a varying like range of films and range of quality. Like depending on your tastes, but like one of the points he made, which brings me nicely to um, Ghost Rider and Ghost Rider: Spirit of Vengeance, is that. Cage has very much not done like long-standing franchises. He has managed to do a, yeah. a variety of stuff. This is like the only one of two sequels he has ever done. 
And like, arguably, well, so is this a national treasure? This a national treasure, yeah. Only sequels he's ever done, and arguably, you could not call Ghost Rider: Spirit of Vengeance even a sequel. Oh, uh, I know why you're saying that. I know why you're saying that. Just, just very much like you could watch this film without ever seeing Ghost Rider and still enjoy it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could. I, th- I think it would be weird, though. But it, um, uh, I mean, I, how, how soon should, should I jump into this? I feel, I feel like... Jump away. Just... Yeah, 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 jump away. Right. Well, I mean, okay, I mean, like, uh, I don't know, whether people have seen it or not, the film uses animation sequences throughout, well, maybe like twice, three times, I don't know, in the whole movie, to try to give the backstory, the origin uh, story of Ghost Wild, which you could say, well, that's a clever idea because... We kind of, I think everyone is tired of origin stories. We don't need to see it again. But the animation provides, we get Nicolas Cage's voiceover and the animation provides this kind of brief rundown of what, you know, what's going on. Um, and it's not bad. The animation is not bad. It's, it's, in a way, it's, it's pretty good, you know, um, for what it is. Um, but the problem is that if you have seen the first one, it's slightly jarring because you're, you're seeing events that you remember from the original with like Peter Fonda and the circus and the fair and the fucking evil Knievel fairground suddenly re- replaced with what looks like a sort of Waitrose car park. <laughs> well, it's it's bizarre in that like this is a film that is like problematic in a way because like from from doing the research and stuff like that, Peter Fonda himself read five pages of the script and then declined. So like, I'm- oh fuck. <laughs> Like what, what did he what did he love so much about the original that he wasn't finding in this? I don't I I don't know like and it's been a long while since I've watched the original but I think it may be my love for let's say first off the bat like it's almost like a near like genius stroke to bring in like Neville Dean and Taylor in that that they at the yes. time I agree. I actually literally can't think of um, a better sort of duo, better director, whatever, to have for this particular franchise. And and you can very much see, like you saying about the use of um, animation, there is also other visual flares that they bring, whether it be like a kind of Family Guy-esque cutaway that they use in moments. Like there's... um, yeah, a sequence. Where, a sequence with Idris Elba, where he uh, his character. So yeah, we should probably like back up in a second about like the kind of brief, brief, sh- broad strokes of this plot. But there is a moment yeah. Idris Elba's character who plays Moreau, like a um, a kind of noble monk esque like adventure character. He's a French wino. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And he's not the only one that's in this film. Um, but we'll get to we'll get to another famous Frenchman a little later on. Uh, he he te- he like in this kind of beautiful shot, like which I imagine was like filmed on wires. And like from what I know of uh, Neville Dean and Taylor, like they try and do as much stuff where, in regards to filming. Like a lot of the interviews with Nicolas Cage, he says like a lot of their filming. Like Mark Neville Dean is out on his actual rollerblades with the camera, Fuck. holding onto motorbikes. Oh, kind of that's so cool. On wires, 
like with the camera jutting away, this moment I you see that. Idris Elba flying through the sky, and then yeah. later on we get this moment like to bring this to bring this back round to what I was talking about. We get this moment of him explaining like by the graces of God I was saved. Then we just get this kind of like brief shot of him like hanging out of a tree. It's like a, <laughs> yeah. A great. Oh, that's so that's so weird. But it's a great moment of kind of like levity and like, like a joke that, for me, I wanted more of that. But definitely showed the like shine yeah. of like Neville Dean and Taylor's, like kind of yeah. their sensibilities and their kind of kinetic way of filmmaking. They they also clearly have a great sense of humor as well. And when they when they're allowed to do what they want, they they've got a great sense of humor. You know, and they are they are also I mean, really, this is one of the best things I can say about the film is that the editing is super slick. You know, I, do, I, I never felt bored by the editing. It's always kind of it's super dynamic, just like Crank. You know, it's it's and, and Crank 2. It's, it's got that kind of crazy. Um, you really feel kind of um, it's better than, you know, like Ang Lee's Hulk tries to do like comic book panels and it's really dodgy. Um, but it doesn't. It doesn't feel like that. It actually feels. It functions as cinema, but also in a very fast-paced kind of comic booky way. So they really did nail that. And you know, that's one thing that the original film could have used. You know. Well, one of the things that this film kind of like benefits from as well is that uh, it's something I didn't know until kind of like like digging around in this film is that all of the times that we see Ghost Rider on screen in the original. It's not Nicolas Cage. Oh, fuck. I didn't do that. <laughs> Whereas this film, it is Nick Cage. And, like, to hear his, like, kind of background as to, like, what he was doing on, like, on set to get into this sure. role is, is, is fantastic. I'll, like... I'll pre- I'll pl- I'll play a brief clip to just okay to yeah to, <laughs> okay I'm, to, I'm excited to get you in the mood like to, well not in the mood but like <laughs> kind of show you what I mean like this is him saying what what it was like getting into character I would paint my face in sort of like an Afro Caribbean voodoo icon or a New Orleanian voodoo icon Baron Samedi I put black <laughs> contacts in my eyes I would put bits of uh, rock that was that had a frequency to it or allegedly had a frequency to it i would i would sew egyptian artifacts into my costume and i wouldn't talk to anybody wow i know right oh that that is brilliant Uh, i mean i mean what 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 more can you say but like the fact he went to those like levels of kind of getting into this character, a character that he is very much like lived with for a while. And in another interview, he says like, he didn't quite under, like he seemed quite miffed as to why he didn't get to play the, the ghost rider in, in the first film. First one. Yeah. It does make sense. But I guess it's because maybe it was a stunt man that played it. Oh, I don't, I don't. Whereas like this film, I, and I very much think it would be like, Neville Dean and Taylor in that like they kind of almost have this stuntman like 
way of filmmaking themselves as i said like this very hands-on approach to filmmaking they're they're there on the roller skates well they're there getting their hands in the mud kind of like fuck it if something needs to be done we're gonna do it yeah that's fucking brilliant so why not let cage like do what he needs to do and like what better way to kind of and I, I i do feel like from hearing that it definitely informs the character of the ghost rider in this film because it's an interest it's an interesting way because this kind of we don't really have a sense of like the time passed since the first one but we can tell no. that johnny blaze has been living with this kind of um dichotomy of being the ghost rider for some time very much like how in the MCU, they kind of portray um, Bruce Banner and the Hulk in that, like, yeah. he, like especially in, um, I believe, it's, uh, Avengers Endgame, they kind of, like, he's been living with the, like, Hulk inside of him. Well, very much in that film, it's the Hulk outside of him. But it's kind of, like, found a middle ground where they both live. In where the Hulk can wear a little suit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where he's glasses, Professor yeah. Hulk as opposed to um, <laughs> yeah. as opposed to Bruce or the Hulk. In this, he's very much he's living he's living that life as like but both well like not I mean I would I would have actually I know exactly what you're talking about. I mean he's in when we when we first introduced to him, he's in this dark warehouse. And where is it? Is it Bulgaria or is it Bucharest or something? Some crazy uh, Eastern European place. Romania. It's filmed in Romania. Yes, Romania. Yes. But I would, but I would have, I would have actually kind of liked a bit more of that stuff. I one one thing that sort of uh, I, I I I dislike about the film is that it doesn't begin with Ghost Rider. You get this kind of beginning bit, and then Ghost Rider is in a warehouse, and it immediately is kind of into the story. I'd like to have seen sort of Cage going mental in that dark warehouse because I really love that as a setting. Well, it's this thing, the film kind of, yeah, like you said, it starts off with a kind of like prelude of just kind of setting Monk. the like wheels in motion, really, of what the thrust of this film is. Fucking Giles. Yes. Yeah. Giles from Buffy, man. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And he's like two seconds as well. Well, yeah, I put this out on Twitter to see what people's uh, like kind of thoughts of this film was, and within minutes, I got a response which was Giles is massively un- underutilized within this film. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. He basically gets a gun put in his face, and then as soon as that is, that's it. So yeah, the, the the film kind of follows the plot of there is a child called Danny, and at the start we don't know kind of like what his purpose is, and it's 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 quite a formulaic plot if we like it's kind of this child has some significance the good guys want to like make sure he's safe the bad guys want him for their nefarious yeah, i thought it was a lot i actually i thought the plot was a lot like terminator 2 yes yeah yeah, yeah. and also you've got this le- the leather jacket wearing kind of anti-hero as well yeah that's a that's a very that's a very interesting I just think it's, but yeah. Well, very, very, yeah, very good comparison as well, because very much in like in the first Ghost Rider, he is working for the devil. Uh, yeah. Whereas in this, he is like recruited by like p- priests and monks to kind of 
work on behalf of of the righteous to make sure that this child doesn't have his soul brought into damnation and kind of like yeah also as a bit of a spoiler as well like kind of by the, by the end of it he's he's kind of sort of been blessed by the angels he has a kind of angelic power well one of the, so, <laughs> one of the two seconds one of the great things we get from this film is a backstory on the ghost rider and like where the demon itself comes from so like we get another animated sequence where we see it used like the demon itself used to be an angel that was corrupted yeah. and it used to be the angel of justice and then was corrupted by satan and turned into the like the a demon of vengeance which is mm. like that would have been like i feel like this film in a way is kind of like hamstrung by the first in a way that like that kind yeah. of like dove headlong into like plot and just kind of like there's a guy with a flaming skull let's get him up on screen <laughs> yeah. as quick as possible whereas this yeah. like is like oh right now we need to fill in the gaps where that mm. film didn't it really does want to exist independently it, ha- it definitely has that vibe and i can understand why because you know i actually think you know i also think that ta- uh, you know the neville dean taylor vision is their 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 atmosphere that they're trying to set is was way better, way more in, uh, succinct than the last vision. I mean, he's eating fucking jelly beans in the first film. I, I don't know who who came up with that, but it's that kind of idea. It has that jelly bean vibe, you know, the whole the whole first film. And this film, there's no fucking jelly beans. I think even Nicolas Cage said, "Oh no, he'll be drinking in this film. There'll be there'll be no fucking jelly beans." But it does have that vibe, you know, throughout, like even even when it's not doing, you know, even even when it's not successful, it's still kind of like it's got a great atmosphere for what they're trying to achieve. I can I, I can really feel what they're trying to do. Well, like, you know? My like analogy for this film is the first film is very much like a Judas Priest, like kind of glammy metal, like aesthetic to it. Like even the design of the Ghost Rider, he's very much like spikes on his jacket it's very cartoonish yeah oh that's true whereas this film is very much like a bit more grimy and grungy looking and like the 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 jacket when he's the ghost rider is much more like organic yeah yeah yeah. organic looking and the skull itself looks charred and burnt it looks better yeah 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 and even like we never see a full transformation in this film like we never get like yeah. a full transformation, but like we get these kind of brilliant shots. Of, uh, like one in particular I want to mention is that one where he's like cruising down a um, tunnel. Oh yeah, and his eyes bulging <laughs> and like kind of going black, and like you can tell, like fuck, the Ghost Rider's coming. You know, you know, you know, you know, man. You know what I actually thought of when I was watching that scene? I thought of Terry Gilliam. Oh really? I thought it's so bizarre. It's so crazy. It almost felt like it could be a sequence in like Fear and Loathing or something in a sort of more modern, you know, sort of context. It had that kind of crazy, almost like slightly, uh, almost almost dodgy sort of David Lynch, mm. Twin Peaks, new CGI kind of vibe to it. Like kind of done on a budget, but really mad things happening all at once that just don't make sense. And I, I was like, you know, this is art. This isn't, uh, 
this isn't entertainment. That's why I thought when I saw that that particular shot. Well, the thing is with this film is that very much, I think, well, I don't know. I know that the original plan for this film, that it was going to be an R-rated, R-rated film. And like, very much in oh. keeping with the like Neville Dean Taylor aesthetic up until that point. And like You're breaking you're breaking my heart just talking about this. And it is that thing that like I wish the kind of studio system, like uh it's reported that Sony at the last moment kind of like bottled out of the whole thing uh. of doing this kind of more hard R Ghost Rider. We, I think, like, in the whole grand scheme of superhero films, we would have, like, yeah. been so far ahead at this point. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, totally. Like, Deadpool. I mean, if you think about it, look, we've had Deadpool, yeah. yeah. We've had Deadpool, and we've had Wolverine. Uh, was it Logan, the, the Wolverine one? Yeah. And... Uh, I swear we've had some more. I suppose we had Watchmen ages ago, but there's but there's only a few of these R-rated. Um, I suppose Kickass actually technically well it was 15. Is it 15? But still, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. there's quite some crazy violence. Um, you know, there's only been a few of them, but they've all essentially been quite successful, right? So perhaps if Sony had known it back then, I don't really know the timeline. But had they been aware that an R-rated superhero film could have could have done well then maybe you know things would be different i don't know well what is bizarre is this film came out in 2011 like i'm not sure on the kind of grand like stage of like hollywood how much that kick-ass would have really informed things and whether the the wheels had already gone into motion for this film like i'm not sure on the like record uh, the filming schedule and all that kind of stuff but like if they had taken that punt at that time, Deadpool would be kind of playing catch up to the to this, like the fucking Ghost Rider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. I would love, I would really love some blood as well. One of the things that I, um, you know, I, I've always thought I, maybe there's some uh, Russian constructivist principle to this that, like, when you have one one frame in a film, you want it, you you kind of want to be satisfied by seeing a following frame, and so like. In Ghost Rider, when he whip in this in this film, Ghost Rider: Spirit Spirit of Vengeance, um, when you see the the whip lash at someone, you kind of want to see them get hurt. But actually, what you end up seeing is that they just evaporate immediately, and it gives you no sense of satisfaction whatsoever. Whereas it would have been brilliant in a hyper violent R rated version of this movie to have seen that whip literally like like smash someone's skull in or like. They're like alive and burning alive. I don't know. I'm just imagining. I'd love to have seen the enemies suffer more than they do. Well, yeah, especially in the fact that his whole like ethos as like a character is that he punishes the wicked. Like even though yeah. he is like a harbinger for for the devil. Like yeah, yeah. And I think it's very clever. Uh, uh, like speaking about like the kind of character of the devil, it's. It's clever how they explain away in this film how, like, the devil shapeshifts throughout time and kind of... Yeah, that is cool. That is cool. uses human, yeah. like, conduits to perform his evil acts throughout history. And I must say as well, I think Peter Fonda is a very cool guy. Is he still alive? I'm not sure. Or 
is or was a very cool guy. <laughs> um, but uh, but basically, uh, in this film, I've got. I actually prefer this devil. I think he's better. Well, he's just got Hines. Yeah, yeah, Kieran Hines, I believe. Um, yeah, yeah. He's got this like bloody eye, and he's like he's got one half of his face has all gone a bit Zardoz. Yeah, it's like drooping down. He's kind of old, and he's like like, like, like this some sort of scary stroke Satan. And he and he, I think he really there's a scene where he's talking to the kid. Uh, and and he's like trying to tell him like he refers to he refers to Ghost Rider as being a paper mache flamethrower, <laughs> yes, which is a bizarre yes. insult. Um, and uh, but during that particular scene, you really see uh, Hines going to town on that character. And I was actually genuinely for a moment, I was like kind of a bit creeped out, and I was like, he's done a good job. Whereas Peter Fonda, bless his heart, he's a very cool guy, but he didn't do that with the devil in the first film. He just plays it very basically, like he's playing himself. Well, you know? Unfortunately, Peter Fonda died last year. Oh fuck! But sorry, no, no, it's, it, it, it's fine. Like we're not speaking ill of <laughs> the dead. Like it's fine. Like <laughs> no, I know. I love. I love him. Yeah, I think yeah. he's fucking great. I mean, but you know, I just I didn't know. <laughs> um, yeah. One of the things to kind of backtrack on the plot of this film is like, yeah, the thrust is that. Ghost Rider has been kind of brought in by these monks and priests to take to kind of take refuge with this child who like even though like we're not supposed to know his true meaning like it's very evident quite early on that he is the Antichrist essentially. He yeah, is, yeah. He is the son of Satan. And like a little That's a cool plot. A, a, a tangent here is uh, the character name uh, Danny Ketch in the Ghost Rider like comic books uh-huh. is actually the long lost brother of Johnny Blaze and Ooh. takes on the mantle of Ghost Rider after him. That that is uh, that's bizarre when you start to think about it in the context of the film because she's a slight love interest and she's. <laughs> I say slight. I mean, there's no romance whatsoever. No, well, yeah, it, the mother. It's bizarre. It's bizarre that like there are moments we kind of have this father-son relationship between Johnny Blaze and like Danny. Yeah, when he's I, drinking the jug of water in the uh, yeah, yeah, and we have like, we have no like kind of romantic entanglement between like the mother Nadja. And Johnny Blaze, and it's kind of like I do commend the film for doing that. I do, yeah, yeah. I think that hamstrings a lot of like comic book films a lot of the time. Is there's this kind of insistence that there has to be some kind of romantic A B C D plot that like otherwise they could have they could have at least. Sorry to interrupt, man. No. Um, they they could they could have at least had a scene where like he like takes out a little locket with Eva Mendez's face in it, <laughs> or like or like goes, oh, I've got a girl waiting for me back in the USA. <laughs> well, like she's another one, like Eva Mendez turned down the option uh, to uh, reprise her role for this film. So I don't, I, I don't. <laughs> Do you think? Do you think everyone was a bit freaked out about the fact that they were shooting in Eastern Europe? Do you think they thought it was like a tax dodging exercise or something? 
I'm not too sure because it's obviously yeah, it's it's filmed in like Romania and Turkey, which like the locations in this film oh, are great. Wow. Are, like they kind of yeah. like provide this otherworldly character to it. I don't know. Like that combined with I guess it's some kind of after effects in like the like saturation and stuff like that that's kind of like done to the imagery. Those fucking, those caves, man, those caves. Like one of my favorite scenes in the film is actually, it really, it, it did make me long for a, a Nicolas Cage, Idris Elba body cop film. Oh. Is when they're, is when they're literally sitting down in the, it's like a kind of chapel cave with all the wine stacked in the, in the holes. And there's the light shining down from the roof. I was like, this is fucking beautiful. Yeah. But there's that, there's like the Coliseum scene. So like, oh, that that's great, yeah. This this film like brings to like a point that Johnny Blaze has to bring the child to these group of monks who's headed by no other than Christopher Lambert, the, the oh yeah, the, yeah, the Highlander himself, who who again like he has seemed to be like. From looking at like stuff was quite a tricky customer when it came to this film in that like Oh really? Well like in the Neville Dean and Taylor said to him like, Well, we want you to shave your head for this film and he was like I'll bald cap it and they were like, No, we want we want a shaved head. We want we we want a shaved head and like <laughs> he put in like three months of sword training for this role, which like in the grand, oh, there's like almost no, there's almost no swords in it. But in three months, he shaved his head. He he went through this extensive like makeup routine to like have these kind of like tattoos all the way down his. Like, they look good. Yeah, they look great. Like um, from watching the brilliantly titled DVD extra Back in Black. Uh, <laughs> no. documentary he talks about like they were they were easier to apply than they were to remove so it got to a point where christopher lambert just went back to his hotel each night wearing the tattoos because oh, i don't oh well i, I actually that's weird that you say that I, when i was watching the film i actually had a th- I, I thought that but what i thought instead was they probably filmed all these lambert scenes in one day so they didn't have to do the makeup again <laughs> i guess that's you know it's slightly different but but also speaking about that there are a few uh really nice little tactile physical things in the film um that that moment when he, I guess there is a brief, is there a brief sword fight between Lambert and the Plague Man or whatever? What is his character name? Blackout. Yeah, this kind of um, black. I think one of the shortcomings of this film is just kind of like the the makeup and costume of this character. So he start <laughs> he starts off as a guy called Carrigan, who's like this kind of arms dealer, who also has a deal with the devil, and his his thing is. He wants him to track down Johnny Blaze. And he's a bit. Of, he's a bit of a young Kurt Russell kind of character. And when he gets killed in this spectacular fight in a quarry, yeah, yeah, <laughs> bizarre. He uh, he manages to like, yeah, like the devil brings him back to life, but all twisted and gnarled. All of a sudden, he possesses the power 
to decay everything with just but a touch. But like, yeah. For one, it's kind of like I, I, yeah. I, I, I'm not sure if it's like the thing of I don't know the mythology of Ghost Rider that well, so I wasn't. No, I, don't, I don't think that's going to help really. But what what I would say though is that that scene where he changes him, where he where the devil lifts him up from the rock, it's quite a cool scene. Um, so they do they, at least they do that some justice. I didn't um, actually just before I forget talk, talking about practical effects. During that fight scene between the between Blackout and Christopher Lambert, um, just afterwards he 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 decays them all into mummies, mm. and those mummies look shit hot. They look <laughs> fucking really good. Um, and also, there's another scene in the bridge at one point where there's a massive explosion, and because there's quite a lot of CGI in the film, sometimes looking pretty fucking convincing, and sometimes not. This particular explosion on the bridge. I think is a real explosion. It's a proper like, mushroom cloud, and it looks it looks real. Yeah, I would I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was because like I like I know uh, I know that Neville and Taylor very much like to do as much stuff as they can. Like, yeah, again, yeah. Again, from watching the um, documentary, though, it's like there were stunts for this film that just kind of didn't work, and they they kind yeah. of had to scrap scrap scenes. So like. It felt like Fuck. very much the kind of chips were stacked up against them specifically for this film in that it couldn't be this like hard R film. It couldn't be um, the budget was still relatively low despite it being like a Marvel property. And I don't know. I, I don't want this to sound like kind of fan worship to Neville Dean and Taylor. Yeah, yeah. But like from seeing like what they can do on a on a small budget obviously i guess like yeah. this is a bit of a harder task because no matter what you do with ghost rider there has to be an element of cgi involved so oh shit yeah there ha- <laughs> that has to that that already like, unless you do a ray harryhausen uh <laughs> you know clay clay skull but yeah. Exactly. So that already is probably taking up like a chunk of your budget. Like Yeah, yeah. I just feel like they kind of didn't get to do all the things that like not just like ticking off their hit list of like greatest hits in any way, but they don't get one thing I'd say well, sorry, sorry to interrupt again, but I was, I was going to say one thing as well. You kind of mentioned it a bit earlier, but talking about like how this time Cage actually got to play Ghost Rider as opposed to last time, where he's just Ghost Rider without, you know, without the skull kind of thing. Um, you could see when he's like, there's a bit where he's just about to fight some of the gangsters at the beginning of the film. And he's like, he's doing this kind of crazy head tilt thing where he's getting ready to sort of do something mental. And, uh, and you can really tell that it's Cage underneath the skull. And when he finally does the, or for the first time, does the penance stare where he stares into their eyes, you can see from the actor's expression, they're really looking up at Nicolas Cage. <laughs> and there is something fucking brilliant about that. But what I what I wish when I saw that is I thought, oh God, I wish as a bonus feature, like a kind of director's cut or whatever, they'd done a version of it where you can just, you see Cage all the time. Oh, that would have been great, especially considering like from listening to that clip, that he would have oh. been in kind of like, voodoo like face paint and like wearing black contacts that would have been 
I mean, it, it couldn't have been, it wouldn't be that hard to, to edit that, surely. Like, just it's the same thing, but without the, I yeah. mean, it would have been brilliant. Well, it's the thing as well. Like, I think that him playing Ghost Rider as well as Johnny Blaze informs Johnny Blaze, especially in that, like, yeah. Cage plays it for me like he's kind of like a, like a cocaine addict. And like, yeah, they're, they're like he's kind of like got this jittery energy to him, where he's like trying to like, like. They sort of allude to that. They allude to that a couple of times as well. There's a few moments that are a bit like, um, in a way, they're a bit like, uh, like there's a, there's a scene in the hospital where he wakes up and he's like, Valium, get me Valium, and the and the and the the woman's like, oh, I can't, oh, I don't know, you've already had enough or whatever, <laughs> and he's taking the pill boxes off the shelf. It's it's a bit like, um. It's a bit like uh, fucking the last one we did together, man. It's a bit like Port of Call, New Orleans, Bad Lieutenant. And, and it, But it's also this kind of crazy drug fueled thing, which has a bit of a crank vibe as well. Like, take as many drugs as I can, like snort the coke off the floor kind of vibe. Well, yeah, it's that thing. He, he's playing Johnny Blaze, how like Robert Downey Jr. plays every role he ever does. Like a man... <laughs> who really wants to take cocaine, but can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> like, this kind of, like, I mean, no. Can, can, can I also just say, out of note, I mean, when you were talking about earlier the animation sequence where it talks about the devil being these different characters and it shows you how he, could, he takes on different incarnations. Why did they pick Jerry Springer? I think for a, a gag... <laughs> But like, it, it seems to be mean. And even in, I, was, I was like, even, fucking hell. Even in context <laughs> of this film, like time-wise, a very outdated gag at that. If it is a gag, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd love to know that. I'd love to ask the, the 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 directors what what is what was going on there specifically. Yeah, it's very bizarre. But I mean, there were some great bit. There were great bits as well, like when he's. He's he's really he's doing it's it's better than the first penance there. It's when he's talking to some guy and his face is changing as he's talking to him. And he's like, You're scraping at the door. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's doing this crazy moment. It's really quite good. I think actually I've tried to watch this film a couple of times and only made it a few scenes in, but today was the first time I've actually watched it all the way through. And I don't know if I'm older or if I was just excited about talking to you, but Somehow, I really enjoyed those changing the face all the time scenes way more than I did in the past. I thought they were shit when I first saw them, but now I love them. So I don't know what don't what, it, what that is exactly. <laughs> well, this film, like, I don't know. It, it kind of, like, builds on things from the first one and, like, stuff mm. that is touched on in the first. Like, we get the whole mythos of any vehicle that he rides will become the ghost rider that's cool that's fucking that's a cool idea i would love to see when the kid is like oh so what if you rode a camel <laughs> yeah and he's, like, and he's like oh i mean that would be fucking brilliant i'd love to see a flaming camel but this like we see him like take on cranes we see him take on yeah. trucks and it's like really utilizing that kind of like I want. I wish I could see more of that, like that kind of like, yeah, just, like I know. crazy stuff. And we get that's the thing throughout this film. We get glimpses of greatness, whether it be like 
I, like it kind of cheapens it that they use it twice but that image of like when the ghost rider has to take a piss and like it's just yeah. like it's this like fire yeah 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 I, I don't mind seeing it twice weirdly but what i do mind is that it's not used in an actual scene it's kind of it's sort of used in a in a kind of like remember like you were saying about family guy it's used in a kind of remember that day when you piss fire yeah. kind of thing. It's like an ass- which is which is bizarre because like, couldn't we have at least seen him like destroy the construction site and then piss on the villain or something with fire? That would have been great. Well, I, f- I feel like that is something that like would have been held back for the right the R cut or like they were going. What can we sneak? Almost like you hear in a lot of productions, whether it be TV or film. What can we sneak by the sensors and like how can we get this? Yeah, actually, that just, I, I've no idea why I'm mentioning this in a Ghost Rider podcast, but I, uh, I I briefly saw a clip from um, Diary of a Wimpy Kid the other day with some with, with some pretty graphic pissing going on, <laughs> which lets me know that you can piss in a in a in a film in a film that's like a twelve A, no problem. But I guess pissing on a villain might be too far. Yeah, I get I pissing pissing fire on a villain, especially I suppose is that. That's the extra thing you can't do. Um, also, one thing, sorry, one, one sec, one sec. Um, the mask. I was reminded of the mask in that particular scene with the crazy crane um, because he spits the bullets out at yes, him. Yes, yes. And that, that whole moment it had a very mask vibe to it. And also in the same way as the mask, he does these crazy violent things, but you don't see the bloody reaction of what happens. So he'll have a Tommy gun, like, a Tommy gun, and he kills them all. But you don't see him actually kill them. You don't see them bleeding out. It was just the same in this film. So one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, Bob, is is it, like, near on impossible to make the character of Ghost Rider look good on film? Like, is there a way that Ghost Rider can kind of... The character of Ghost Rider himself, because especially in this film, he takes up a lot of the screen time. Is that, like... Can that character be like a relatable character? Like, I, I feel like that's one of the things that's kind of hard about this franchise. I mean, obviously, I think what makes him, um, what makes us connect to him in the first one, if anything, other than our sort of mutual desire, like we wish we could be daredevils, is essentially that we uh, we think it's a beautiful idea that he sold his soul to try to save his dad's life. Like that to us is like, oh, well, that's a pretty big, big deal, you know? Um, and so that's our real connection to him. But aside from that, we don't have any actual relationship to him other than that. Well, I mean, obviously, he's having a tough time because he's inhabited, well, because his soul has been sold. It's never quite explicit about, like, is he constantly in pain? I know that he's in pain when his head, his skull is burning. I think they indicate that. Um, I actually, I, 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 in preparation for this podcast, Petros, I read the, um, the comic that, that David S. Goya wrote this script based on, oh. which is a Garth Ennis. Is it Ennis? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the guy, I think he also did Preacher, right? Yeah. And actually the comic, uh, you can see little glimmers of it. I don't see much in how they ended up ad- adapting it, but it begins with Ghost Rider in Hell. Um, it's about these angels trying to uh, offer, make a deal with Ghost Rider to say, we'll get you out of hell, which is, th- th- this deal is obviously in the film as well, um, if you kill this angel that's on earth kind of thing. Um, and um, and it's very much like a road trip 
movie kind of kind of like a kind of uh, story like like how um in you know preacher it's a kind of road trip as well yeah. um with all these kind of grotesque characters and rather than ass face they have like i don't know like ass nose or something it's like they've got the equivalent of that where like a, the demon like he puts someone's head inside their ass and then they that's the their henchman and it's kind of like this kind of thing and i could imagine as i was reading it i was like I can imagine the 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 Taylor the the, the, the yeah. these directors doing adapting that, and I was kind of getting excited about it. But then when watching it, it doesn't have much of that at all. But even in that comic, there is still no personality to Ghost Rider. He is still just a fiery skull guy, driving around, kind of just maybe working for his own, like trying to get out of hell. Kind of maybe that would help. But there is still no, it's very hard for us, it's almost impossible to relate to him. It's hard, isn't it? It's hard. Like, but the thing, going into this film, I kind of, all the components lined up. I was like, I really want to enjoy this film. And, like, that's the thing. Like, I'm not sure whether it is the fact that it's kind of like the vision was mired at all by mm, like yeah. studios or like, Bit like bit, bit people, people upstairs, as it were, or yeah. I'm not sure what it is, but like, or it is this kind of thing that Ghost Rider as a character is hard to relate to. Like, John, like I think Johnny Blaze, the character Johnny Blaze, is done really well, especially like the kind of yeah. struggle he has, and yeah, like this film leads to a point where he has to, he says like. He brings Danny to the um, monks headed by Christopher Lambert and um, <laughs> Moreau's like deal with him was: if you do this, we will rid you of this curse. Pretty sexy proposition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. like, like, like many things, you realise that. You kind of need that, I don't know, dark side of you to maybe progress in that, like, he realizes very quickly. Like, the thing is, though, the end of this film, it kind of, like, all kind of goes very quickly. Oh, yeah. So quick. Like, you could almost, like, be like, come on, like, you could hear someone go, like, come on, come on, wrap it up, wrap it up, wrap it up, wrap it up. (laughs) And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like you got it's like when you're kind of getting to a point. Yeah, we go, we get to this point in a coliseum, which is actually filmed in like an actual real ancient it, Greek, and it genuinely looked really good as well. When you see all the monks from afar, when you look at them all, I was like, this is beautiful. You know, I also felt that they were trying to. Sometimes they were. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they had alternating camera crews as well, but some of their like more close up, zoomed in stuff was was much less beautiful but when they actually pan back and you see like whole scenes like even like lambert's circle before they become yeah. the gargoyles or the mummies or whatever they, which they still look really cool but when you pan back and you see all of them in a circle it looks fucking brilliant i mean when, when i say it means brilliant i don't mean for a marvel film or for a film like this i mean it legit looks really good yeah. and that's you know? the thing like, so a lot of this film like kate like like there's so many things playing in this film's favour, which, like, for me, like, really, 
I don't, I don't, like, I can't really, I don't know if I'm too close to it at the moment, because I only, like, I only watched it yesterday. Yeah, like, yeah. I think I'm like... I only watched it today. Yeah. What, what is it that, like, kind of just didn't work for me? Like, and it's a real shame. Like, yeah, what, one, shame. Thing, what, one thing I'll say about the ending that I did like is that um, it's confusing, but when he has that fight with the devil, you know, the devil really shouldn't be scared at all. I mean, the, the devil's dialogue is kind of like he's not scared, but he looks proper scared. <laughs> Probably because Cage is right in his fucking schnoz, like, you know, it's like going fucking mental. But, um, but, but it's, quite, it's quite a good scene when he like, launches him into the air with a chain. It's very satisfying. It's the kind of satisfaction you don't get from when he kills most goons throughout the movie yeah, yeah. as well. So it's actually kind of a good moment of like, yeah, like Ghost Rider actually fucking did that. It's kind of, and there's a few kind of like video game moments in it that have that kind of quality, but that's definitely the best. I felt quite like happy when the devil was flung into the sky, which is more than I could say for a lot of things like that in other superhero films, you know? Well, we get that moment as well, because Danny's soul is all like, there's this rich, like the whole film kind of culminates in, it, it, it is a very formulaic plot. We've seen in a lot of things, as Bob said earlier, it's a Terminator 2-esque plot in that the bad guys want this kid, the good guys want to make sure this kid is fine. Um, Christopher Lambert and his monks are like, well, he's the devil's child, so we're the only way for, for everything to be all right is to off him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then he he falls into the hands of like Satan and his like kind of henchmen and like I don't know you kind of get a barbed comment at like kind of capitalism and like business like do you know what I mean big business what well there's a moment when like uh, uh, Moreau, Naja and Johnny Blaze are kind of scoping out like this ceremony that's going to take place and it has to take place on an like on the dawn of a new day and uh yeah. they're looking upon oh, and yeah. they're like oh who are all those people and they're like are oh, they're they're like they're people they're, they're businessmen and like uh oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're 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 minions of the oh, devil. i didn't realize that yeah so oh, shit, that's like that makes it like kill list it's got the same crazy vibe yeah so it's got that wow thing of, that's like, interesting I mean, it's got that Illuminati vibe, like all the people upstairs are like... They're just the, the, the director's just like slipping that in there. Like, eh, have a bit of that. <laughs> so like... but like, One other thing I was going to say, I, lo- I love, I love uh, Idris Elba's accent is terrible in the film. He, he, just, he keeps shifting. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. But something about him, whenever he's around, he restores my faith in what I'm watching. I don't know if that's because he's got he's like he's so robust. Like even when he he puts his hand on Cage's shoulder, I sometimes felt like I could feel his hand on my shoulder. He's got that kind of tactile performance. I I, I can't even describe that. He's he's unique in that way. But sorry, go on. For Idris Elba, this has got to be like kind of before he became a massive household name as well, right? Like this is he must have been doing Luther. He, he must have been doing Luther at the time, right? But I mean, on like the world scale, like yeah, yeah, sure. Like, it was before. I mean, he hadn't he hadn't yet become an actual part of the true MCU franchise as well, right? And one of the weird things about his character in both this and four is that like he wears these like kind of bright eyed contacts. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, <laughs> bizarre. But also, he says like, there's a bit like, um, oh fuck, I've lost my other notes. But like, Cage <laughs> says something like, um, oh, what does he say? He says like, um, oh, oh god, I can't remember. Oh yeah, he's like black French alcoholic priest, kind of a dick. You know him? <laughs> you know that line? Yeah, yeah. He says it in the van or whatever. And I was like, and I was laughing at that line because it's a great line. And I can imagine that I can imagine writing it in the script and being like, that's a fucking hell of a line. But weirdly, we don't see him as much of an alcoholic. He doesn't really drink that much. At the beginning, he throws a bottle through a window. That's about it. And then later on, when he has the wine, he takes like two glugs of it and then chucks it at an enemy, basically. But what I was thinking is you could actually make a kind of interesting drinking game out of out of Ghost Rider. Um, purely like you drink when Idris drinks, you know. <laughs> uh, but 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 it would be a really like hard drinking game to really enjoy. But you'd have to like drink a lot when he does. I don't know. So, um, but also when 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 Cage first punches the devil, I was immediately reminded of the Wicker Man because it's a running punch. So yes. he's literally like he's like going toward him like. Bam! Like just like the bear, just in the bear suit, you know. And I was like, "Is that? Is that the? I mean, maybe now you're into the analytics of the Cage films. You could tell me, are these the only two running punches in Cage films? Are there more running punches?" I haven't delved that deep into it, but like, I'm gonna go with a yes. I'm gonna go. With these are the only two running punches, but I'm sure. No, possibly not. I feel like Con Air might have one. I feel like that. Oh, really? That, what? I feel like the fight with Virus the Cyrus. Cyrus the Virus. Uh, oh, yeah. speaking about viruses, oh. it's a very catchy oh, no. time at the moment. Uh, <laughs> Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. <laughs> Got Corona. Um, he, um, yeah, I feel like on that final showdown with Cyrus the Virus at the end of Conair, there may be some kind of running punch or. Oh, wow. I'm not sure. But I hope there is, man. <laughs> I hope someone's done a fucking montage of running punches, because, damn. Just, just like uh, Tom Cruise running in films. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, I've only got one last note to actually, no, 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 actually go, say. So ahead, I just no, want to no, get no. it out. Um, there's that weird scene. I do, I, I, I'm just going to admit this now. I, I wasn't always aware of what was going on in the film when I was watching it. Like, I actually had to go back a couple of times to hear the characters speak about stuff again, just to know it. And I don't know if that's because I'm drunk. I don't know if it's because I'm ADHD, kind of, or whether the film wasn't doing a good enough job of, like, telling me what was going on. But I had to go back sometimes. But there's this crazy scene where, like, Cage is on his back and he's, like, flailing around and transforming. It's sort of bizarre. And he's like, Merry Christmas, you assholes! <laughs> or something like that. And, that. and I was like, that is fucking fantastic. Well, there's, there's, there's some really weird, bizarre lines in this film. There is, like, and it's subtitled as well, this line, so it, like, makes it even more bizarre because you have to read it. There is a moment with a, uh, like, a very small bit part villain called Vasil, who, like, is kind of like... Oh, I know. Like, yeah, some yeah. kind of, like, club owner, drug dealer who has information where, Car like, Carrigan may be. And, like, his introduction, he's kind of going, like, where's my money? Like, like where, like where people keep stealing my money. Like, and 
this line I've like got quoted here is everybody's robbing from me. It makes my balls hurt. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> this is a weird line. I thought that at the time I remember listening to it thinking, what the fuck is he talking? I that <laughs> I think they're saying I think what they mean is it's a ball ache. It's, I think and it's been like weirdly it's like such a ball ache being stolen from all the time. I think that's what they mean, but it's kind of weirdly translated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it feels like the Google translate of like <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like they haven't they haven't gone through the effort of going like uh like uh we people people in that region don't have WhatsApp, so we'll change the subtitle to something that's region specific. Or do you know what I mean? Like also, something that's like <laughs> Yeah, we won't change it region specific, we'll just direct translate. <laughs> uh, it makes my balls hurt. <laughs> oh, I love that. I mean, I kind of wish in a way, I sort of wish I'd watched the first film before, I wish I'd sort of got this shit ready a bit earlier and watched the first film, then the second film, right next to each other so I could compare. I mean, I think, like I said, I think the devil's a better devil this time around. I actually, you you, you were saying that the, the look or the kind of general vibe of the new villain, the, uh, the blackout, is worse or is, is a bit shit, but he's still better than the other one, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely, the other- yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's a lot of updates. There's a lot of things that they're doing better. They're kind of progressing on, but somehow it doesn't have as much um, kind of flow as the original has. Maybe there was just more money in that. I, I, I don't know what it was exactly, but there's a bit more sort of flow in that first one. Well, I, I, I often worry that, like, because Levelding and Taylor made their names sort of on being, like, they can provide you this kinetic, like, thrill ride, like, whip-smart yeah. cinema on a shoestring budget, like whether that be the Crank films, um, Gamer, up until this point. I love Gamer yeah. as well. I love that. So, like, I'm not sure whether it's like that and they went, do you know what? We'll give this film a very, like, modest budget. That'll make something good out of it. Do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah. I think this is before, like, David S. Goya kind of, like, really came into yeah. his own of being, like, a household name, whether that be like in writing, because I know he eventually did work with uh, Christopher Nolan. I think with yeah, yeah, totally. Is that true then? Because that's that's bizarre. Because I remember hearing about um, funny in the last um, in the podcast you were doing the uh, can't remember if it was with the Empire guy or the other one, but you were you were talking about um, uh, Superman Lives briefly, um, and I think David S. Goyer was responsible for one of those scripts for a kind of big superman reboot well not that one but one of them so i was kind of surprised by this because you know it's not it's not as i say I, it's not that the script is awful in any it, by any means but it's just it doesn't have a, that kind of triumphant feel of you know some great superhero script you know well i always get a bit like iffy on scripts like this is not to say like that scripts are like bad because of this but like the screenplay for this is written by scott m gimbal seth hoffman and david s goyer like from a story by david oh, s goyer too many cooks yeah I, I i always get that like kind of image and and then especially because up until this point neville and taylor had been writer directors kind of going mm. off their own and 
they very much like had a hard time with like Jonah Hex like writing the script for that. Oh, I heard about that. Yeah, being being like slated to direct it, and then I believe they walked away from the project because they didn't like the way it was. Oh, going. I thought they were fired from the project. That's 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 fascinating. I mean, I know, I know. I think I've even. I think the script is available from Jonah Hex, what they originally wrote, and it's so much better. I mean, there's definitely the beginning of their script begins with like um, a crow pecking out the brains from a dead, from like a dead man's skull. Like, and, and like, I mean, when, when Josh Brolin signed up for that movie, he was like, no swear words, no gore, no nothing. I'm becoming a dad, you know? So you can see how these, these productions get kind of neutered from day one. But whereas this, I feel like it would have really benefited from that grim grotesque energy also also yeah ghost rider is it, it i mean I, I once again i don't mean to be mean to it in a, in a weird way i actually have a quite kind of a soft spot for ghost rider but it's one of those franchises where i mean i doubt that marvel would really care if they lost it you know what i mean they wouldn't care if it just went away you know and that the beauty of it is and then you can do whatever the fuck you want with it you can do whatever the fuck you want well when asked in an interview like Cage answered like when somebody asked him what would you like to see be done if there were a sequel for this and he was like well the only sequel I would like to see is Ghost Rider Goes to Hell in kind of like a Dante's Inferno style like oh wow plot and like you think wow like in the is that's actually a lot more. That's a lot more. That's actually more similar to what the the fucking script was based on as well. That the Garth Ennis one because it's it's him in hell constantly repeating on a loop his suffering. He's constantly burning and he has to go through this like lake of fire and shit. And he's constantly driving his motorbike and just feeling pain. It's it's that kind of that that actually talking about suffering. That's what the, both of these films, are, uh, the first one and Spirit of Vengeance, don't have. They don't really show uh, Johnny Blaze suffering. Well, weird. they don't make us feel that pain. Well, weirdly, this as heavy is, as that is, no, 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 no. But like, that's something they should have gone for. And like, weirdly, this is like the second film under the the Marvel Knights banner. I'm not sure if you noticed in the like titles. Is that the Punisher one? Is that the fucking one that was on that Punisher label? Yeah, but Punisher Warzone, which was an 18. Yeah. So like if uh, so why could they why can they do it with Punisher but they can't do it with this? That's what I mean. Like I feel like this, like the first Ghost Rider very much hampered this film in that the core fan base had been established by the first film. That by the time they came to this one, it's like it would seem very like polarizing to all of a sudden it be a hard R or do you know what I mean? Or, or not even a hard R, just being like a, a 15 certificate in the UK. It would have it would yeah, it, yeah. It, like it would have been like a bit disorientating for audiences. But at the same time, like this film kind of disregards the first film anyway. So yeah. why couldn't they have done why that? Not? Yeah, why not? Because like I'm not yeah. saying that like swearing of violence and like nudity makes for a good film. No, no. But I feel like in this case, violent nudity and swearing 
<laughs> would have made for a good film. Yeah, definitely. It would have made it a lot better. And also, I love to imagine li- literally like the guys who directed Crank, they have no th- no rules, no laws, maybe twice the budget. Um, like same locations, same same script. They do whatever the fuck they want. I mean, I can only imagine how cool that would have been. It would have been it would have been fucking gnarly. Like it would have like I reckon we would have <laughs> seen like Cage like turned up to like eleven, just like yeah. going for it. Do you know what I mean? He would have brought that same energy from that Terry Wogan clip where he kind of comes out doing a stomp <laughs> flinging money out. Like, we would have like he would have been like whipping his chain out like if any character in the MCU deserves that kind of like treatment of being like a really gritty, hard, top like rated film, <laughs> it's Ghost Rider. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. he's like, he's very much evil in his essence. He's like, he's a ghost <laughs> fucking devil. Which like uh, brings me to like the genesis of this film, which is fantastic. From like watching um, Nicholas Cage interviews, he talks about like he had an idea for like where this film could have like come from, and he said like whilst promoting the first film, he uh, he he very much at that time liked wearing a lot of leather. Like that kind of look. Of course, anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, this this isn't a far leap from the man himself. Anyway, um, he got invited to something at like uh, I think it's like Canterbury Cathedral or like well he met like the, the Archbishop oh. of Canterbury and the head of the like Greek Orthodox Church. A lot of like kind of religious leaders in their like fields. And, uh, <laughs> what the hell is going on with this meeting? I, I have no idea, but like. They're all dressed up in their like garb, and Cage is dressed up in his garb. And I, I, I'm not sure who it was, but somebody turned turned to him and said, "Like, oh, I could be naughty sometimes." <laughs> no way! And it sparked in Cage this idea that, like, how good would it be if Johnny Blaze was in cahoots with like religious figures with the Catholic yeah, yeah, yeah. Church with or the what? church yeah yeah, yeah yeah and like that that's where that kind of <laughs> came from and it's just bizarre to like think that like it's weird the movie you know for all the things I love about it it doesn't it doesn't feel like that at all I, I, I weirdly I don't feel like anyone works for anyone it does it just doesn't have it doesn't have that feeling you're not like oh he has to do this because of this I, I mean I was I was super confused when they initially talked about the child and I must say as well um I, I I hate child actors for the most part I know it seems a mean thing to say you know because I I, I appreciate it's fucking hard work you know I, I'm a terrible actor myself so <laughs> but being a child is even fucking harder you know and the, the kids do such a bad job he's not the worst child actor but that kid is one of the blandest kids I've seen in like that kind of role He's kind of like dead behind the eyes. He's like not really giving much. Like the only moment he really gives anything is when he screams into Johnny Blaze's mouth to like kind of inject him with the <laughs> life of the Ghost Rider once again at the end. Like, Which is a cool scene, actually. Yeah. I like. I love. I love it when he's rocking around the Colosseum with his burning head. 
around the monks. That's that's actually really good. But yeah, you're right. That is the only intensity that he gives, really. But it gets to a point, like like even that, like even that moment, like it's just signposted really, really like like I don't yeah, it's signposted really badly in that he's asking all these questions to the devil and he's like you see the looks between like Johnny Blaze and Danny and it's like oh he keeps asking the devil like oh so I have the same powers if you do I and it's just like yeah we, we, we get it we know what you're going to do like this wouldn't be a ghost rider film if he doesn't like if the ghost rider doesn't come out do you know what I mean it's like yeah. it, the only way I can describe it is like a band, like kind of, you know, they're going to play their biggest hit. Like even when, <laughs> yeah, even yeah. when the ghost rider, if, yeah, gets, gets his powers taken away from him and he's just Johnny blaze. It's like, even at that moment, I was like, he's going to be turned back into the ghost rider. Because like, <laughs> yeah. One, one, like, He's got to. He's got to do it for the final fight sequence. And two, I'm just too much of a cynical bastard, and I know that like studio. There's also for, like, there's also a bit of a. There's also sorry, 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 sorry I'll interrupt you again, man. There's a bit of a bummer when like originally he gets shot with a shotgun. Do you remember the sort more towards the beginning? He gets shot with a shotgun, and he just gets up, and. I don't, I can't remember how it was in the first film, but basically, is that implying that no amount of firepower can take down Ghost Rider? Because I didn't know. I was like, I, I never felt worried for Ghost Rider during any fight scene because I thought, well, he will be okay because he's Ghost Rider, so he'll be fine. You need to, even Superman has his kryptonite, but what the hell is, what is Ghost Rider's like, what is his flaw? Well, no, because it's it's very bizarre. Because right at the beginning, like one of the first confrontations he has, he is harmed, and he ends up in hospital. But then from oh, that yeah, point, yeah. from that point on, that is after that shotgun. That is after the shotgun. Yeah, it's like some kind of grenade launcher yeah. shotgun thing. He's harmed, but then after that, it's kind of like the gloves are off, and he can't be harmed. Like. I don't know. It's a very, it's a very weird like prospect. I've always thought that, that was that's one of the major issues with any superhero entity is is getting the audience to care about whether or not they're harmed. And I think this is this is an example of yeah. a film where, yeah. as you say, like it's hard for us to completely you know connect with Ghost Rider, and it's also hard for us to to worry about him because we don't know if he's invincible or not. Yeah. yeah, and it's like, again, I feel like where the first film might have hampered this is like that the kind of, the rules weren't established fully. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not yeah, sure if yeah. we need like kind of Basil exposition to be there and be like, so as a ghost rider, this, 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 this and this. Like, if this mm. happens, you will be harmed. Da, da, da. I don't know. If it's the stroke of 12, you will turn back into a pumpkin. Like, we just need to, did, did, are, you, need to... are you aware petros that there is another ghost rider within the mcu as well yes in the uh, agents of shield um tv series uh, yeah unfortunately i've seen that yeah but it isn't the johnny blaze character is it it's like a it's Robert, like another dude roberto riaz i think is the character yeah 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 so, 
very yeah. much playing within that. I think they're playing within that sandbox, like again to keep their balls in the air, just in case they want to carry on the Johnny Blaze story and any. But from everything I've read, it seems like nobody is interested very soon after this. <laughs> I don't know why they're flogging that horse. Very soon after this film came out, Cage was like, no. Like, he's like, he said, like, there's no chance they're going to do Johnny Blaze in hell. Like, so probably not going to happen. But, like, before we wrap this thing up, Bob, I always like to um, ask my guests a little, like, three questions. Three simple questions. And they normally, like, Give us an indication of whether a cage film is good or not. I'm I'm yet to find out what answers swing in which way. I guess that's why I'm trying. I'm asking these questions to kind of find that data out <laughs> to figure that out. But, um, first question is: Does Nick Cage have bad hair in this film? I mean, I don't know if I've just watched so many films that I'm not noticing anymore, but I didn't think so, no. Okay, that's a, that's a no for that one then. Um, the second question is, does Cage do a crazy voice in this film? Does he have a, a mental voice? Obviously, in films in the past, yeah. he, do you know what I mean? Vampires kiss. We, 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 know, we know the hits I'm talking about, like. Um, he doesn't. He doesn't do it throughout, but there are about three or four occasions where he suddenly puts it on, including the one that I mentioned earlier. The whole like fucking what's it called? Merry Christmas, you assholes! That whole that whole line is like he does it in a crazy voice, and he does the whole what's the other bit about the scraping, scraping the door? Yeah, well, he does one where he's like, okay, he kind of like delivers a line like, "Can you get there?" Like he can't do. He don't. He, 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 <laughs> He pulls that out of the bag like it's very nice. Yeah. I what I like is that that kind of means that he has a penance voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is kind of interesting. But also, one thing I, I was just going to mention. Sorry, I know you're no, asking no, another question, no, yeah, but of course. also the penance, the penance there in the last film was done better. That's the one thing that the, that that first film really has over this one is that when someone when he stared into their eyes, you saw a kind of like tornado of like faces and shit. Do you remember that? Yeah, and it kind of like flashed up like um, scenes of them doing bad as well, right? Yeah, yeah, that was fucking sweet, and they didn't do this in this one, yeah. so I was kind of disappointed. But the, the only only weird thing you see is like when he's doing a penance stare in someone's eye, their eye goes a bit wonky. <laughs> That's the only thing you see. And that brings me to my like third and final question on this little questionnaire that I've got going: is do yeah. we get a cage freak out? I think it's the fucking Christmas asshole bit. Yeah. That is the freak out. That is it. Yeah. Or perhaps on the bike, perhaps the fucking <laughs> crazy, like, that maybe, I don't know, but he doesn't, yeah, I would say the Christmas asshole bit is the freak out. So, yes. Yeah, we get a cage freak out. And, like, the last thing, like, I want to ask you is, would you recommend people watching this film? <laughs> uh, uh, that that is a fucking tough question. I I think it really depends. I depends who I'm talking to. I get. I, I guess. I think. You know. That's that's what I'm saying. If there was a, a sort of bizarre drinking game attached to it, I can imagine why I might 
suggest that. Like, drink every time Idris Elba is on the screen or something. It's, it's kind of funny. But uh, no. I'd say no. Like, don't worry, Bob. Like, I'm not selling you down the river. I answer this question as well. I would, I would say no as well, just in the fact that, like, I don't know. I, I would say the only reason to watch it is just like if you're interested in that idea of films that like have so much potential. Like this film has like, yeah. do you know what I mean? It's almost like watching Hodorowsky's Dune, the documentary, because it's like yeah. you can see the scraps of a film that it could have been and like the poten- the potential from like immense talent that is within it, whether that be Neville I, Taylor or Cage. Like I also, I personally, as, 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 as I think we've talked about this, I love Gamer, you love Gamer as well. I love both the Crank films. Oh. Um, I like that kind of stuff. I've met lots of people who really don't dig that kind of shit. And so it's the same thing that I, I probably will, at some point, watch this movie again, but I wouldn't recommend it because I know it's my kind of trash. It's kind of hot trash. I like it. Well, like, you know. my, my, my thing is with, like, the whole, um, yeah, the directors of this film always, like, I would say they reinvented the action film. Like, those crank films kind of, like, really gave license to a lot of directors to be like, do you know what? Films can be what they are on the tin. It doesn't have to be smart. It doesn't have to be clever. It can just be fun, dumb action and be self-aware, knowing and be fucking awesome. Like I, I personally, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I personally don't yeah. think we would have got a lot of these later. Like um... they were also, they also these guys, and it's, it's a rare thing to find in anything. You either, basically, if artists start making films, they're long, boring slogs that sometimes have interesting bits in them. And if you get like Fast and Furious dudes making a film, there's no art to it whatsoever. There's no beauty, no poetry. It's just constant cuts to like fucking, you know, car chases. What's beautiful about these guys is that Crank is like, it's kind of both. You get, you get this magic of the, the car chase, the action, the fucking guns, the uh, all this kind of stuff, the, the, the really punchy dialogue. And you also get this kind of arty poetry. Like I remember in Crank where, where um, he's running around the, the, the hallway and they're, they're projecting things onto the wall like turtles having sex and stuff it's so arty yeah, yeah. but it's also fucking entertaining and like punchy i love it well it's that thing like especially with those guys like it's just that like that weird bizarre thing and like you mentioned the fast and the furious films but i feel like even with those films like we wouldn't have got like maybe like the fifth installment of that without this like, well, not without this, without, like, kind of their, like, Neville and Taylor's, like, imprint on cinema, like, with those crack Fair films. enough. They're, they're, they're informed by the, the, the changes they made. Yeah, yeah, like, like pe- people realise, like, you can, and, like, one of the things I would love to see, like, and I'm putting it out there, whether, like, I'm not sure, because this is the last... Neville Dean Taylor outing that we saw cinematically. Like that's mental. After that, we saw them go separate ways. So like, I'm not like, I don't want to speculate at all. But like, we don't know what happened like there, and like, it's not for us to say. But I would love to see those guys take on a John Wick film. Oh yeah, 
fuck, I can imagine that'd be so cool. That very like on the fly kind of crazy DV look style, like we're right here. Yeah, I can imagine that being brilliant. Yeah. And here's a question yeah. I've I've just come up with on the fly is like it's kind of come up recently a lot is in uh, conversations with people is um who would you like to see Nicolas Cage collaborate with like, in the future like what di- what 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 director partnership do you, like do you think like for I can immediately I know I know who is, I know who it is immediately it immediately came to my brain Yorgos Lanthimos oh do you have? Do you have? Like, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fuck up? As a Greek man, Yorgos Lanthimos is is a, is a perfect pronunciation. Um, I would love to see. I have no idea what the role would be, but I I would love to see those guys work together. Perfect. That's 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 what I want to hit. Like, like yeah, like one of the conversations I had recently was about like how he hasn't had the opportunity to be brought on board by like a kind of. A A24 certified director and Yorgos Lanthimos is is very much one of them and like like the one I keep going back to I think it's because I saw a uh, a clip of um, Nicolas Cage at the Independent Spirit Awards hugging Josh Safdie and I just keep thinking oh shit Nicolas Cage and a Safdie Brothers movie would be like he needs that kind of that or he needs a he needs a vehicle like a john wick that like can kind of be his retirement plan as it were do you know what i mean like how yeah yeah i, I mean i love this in interviews as well i really love this kind of contemporary cage where he looks kind of like elvis he's sort of taken on yeah. his ex-wife or ex-ex-wife's father's ghost and he's got he kind of wears the He's got his hair is fucking perfect and slightly white, and he just he just with the aviator shades. I'd love to see kind of that character of Cage in something. I don't know what, but that would be perfect. Well, we're likely to get something in that ilk because, like, it's slated for next year, but like with everything that's going on at the moment, we're, we're likely Who to. Who knows? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. God knows when it will come out. Twenty twenty two, twenty three, three. But he's supposed to be like he's cast in a film called The Importance of like um The Importance of like uh Brilliance or something like that. I I will Oh yeah, I know what it is. It's a really complicated title. That's the kind of thing you should have above your head, eh? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's the, it's the type of thing <laughs> I should have in my notes, but like genuinely like, <laughs> this conversation has just brought this up anyway. But like <laughs> it's Nick Cage playing himself, and I hope that they very much zone in on a modern day cage like they don't try and go for oh, so this cool. is what we think cage is like we want actually who you are as a person like i saw a brilliant tweet like to go back to my like safety brothers thing is i saw a tweet yeah, yeah. like which kind of like really put me on the um the trajectory to think like that that would be a perfect uh casting like a, a partnership is that i saw um a tweet that was like at the Safdie brothers, can you please direct a quarantine lockdown like drama with Nick Cage who plays a like sex addict like on his computer all the time and like shit goes wrong and like it's really intense. Like, and I was like, yeah, that is perfect. Or like my personal one, and you'll probably hear this on plenty of like podcasts of this when this question comes sure. up, but like, um, 
my one is it opens up cages there he's coming like it's it's a revenge film it's a Safdie brothers like <laughs> film there it's very like intense right, right? minute 30 he kind of catches up with one of the goons of this gang and he's like what the fuck have you done to my brother howie and then it's then we realize this is actually a uncut gems sequel <laughs> oh wow <laughs> that'd be fantastic <laughs> just as fast paced just as mental and like parallel. yeah 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 it was cage oh God. cage playing like some kind of like New Jersey, like, do you know what I mean? Like, tracksuit wearing scumbag who, like, how he's been, sh- like, shunned him to the, to the sides, or he's just got out of prison. He's gone to find out where his brother is. Even better, this has come to me just now. Page comes yeah. out of prison, goes to see his brother, like, find out where he is. It, like, intersects with the end of Uncut Gems. Spoiler warning for Uncut Gems. He walks into the jewellery shop, sees his brother dead on the floor. <laughs> Bang. Revenge thriller. Oh, wow. Yeah, fuck. I mean, there's no no one but Cage could really do that justice. That's a fantastic idea. Although, you know, if I could see any sequel with Cage in it, I would love to see the Wicker Man sequel where he plays a ghost haunting Japan. That Amazing. That clip I played... It feels like probably forever ago now. Uh, he's <laughs> actually asked in in that interview, like, what what film would you like to revisit? And he says, "I would love to see Wicker Man in Japan." <laughs> I'd love to see it too. That'd be so fucking brilliant, man. Unfortunately, <laughs> we're probably never going to see it, are we? <laughs> probably not. Only in our minds, the theatre of quarantine. Perfect. Well, Bob, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. As a- Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, as always, man, it's been absolutely fantastic. And uh, I'm sure I'm sure, I'm sure, you'll crop up another time before this journey. <laughs> hope so, man. I'm cheap. And there we have it. That was me and Bob talking about Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. If you agree with the points that me and Bob made, or even if you disagree, please get in touch at Caged in Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or always drop an email at cagedinpod at gmail.com. Before you go, you may find there's a little treat in your podcatcher right now. Yes, you can listen right now to an interview I did with one of the directors of this film and director of Mum and Dad, the 2017 horror comedy starring Nicolas Cage and Selma Blair and the interviews with Brian Taylor. It's a fantastic interview. I've been sitting on this for ages and really, really, really didn't know when to drop it. And I thought now's best, better, better time than ever just because, yeah, Ghost Rider and I don't know waiting to all the t- waiting all that time until I've released the mum and dad episode I feel like I don't know it's a good one and yeah I hope I hope you enjoy it I hope you enjoyed this one and uh, yeah don't worry about the Patreon I don't want any of your money as I mentioned in the intro 
donate your money, please, to charities right now. Donate them to to helping people. We've got we've got a chance to help people, so fucking do it. All right. Well, as always, guys, you have been amazing. I have been Petrus Pasivus. I have been caged in. Bye bye. <laughs>